Welcome everybody to Monday Night Live. This week I have uh, a whole lot of tips. I was going to say a smogger balls of tips for you from some of our regular viewers, some of the regular people on my newsletter. So I'm going to share my screen and we're going to get on with the tips. These are atomic tips for 2022. They may be things that you already know, but the real question to ask yourself is, uh, do you do them? And if you do do them, do you coach other people? Do you mentor other people, younger people, people who could really do with an insight into some of your wisdom? So uh, here we go with a bit of screen sharing and uh, we should be there. So is my screen sharing Atomic Tips Monday Night Live with Derek Arden? I think it is. Yeah. Give me a nod, somebody. Uh, thanks, John. So the first tip is, uh, is this one from... John Baker, and actually it's so relevant into, in, at the moment that uh, banter isn't always funny. So uh, with a lot of things that have been going on, a lot of um, not very good things for 2021, 22, but went on in the uh, 20th century, uh, people have been blaming banter. And as John says, you don't know how others took your comments. You never know, do you, how other people take those comments, which makes uh, an awful lot of sense. Clearly, banter probably isn't funny. Having to say it's only banter means it wasn't, which is an interesting comment, John. I'd be interested in your views on that. And clearly laughing together is important for a good team. So working together. So I think it's a fantastic tip and banter's got to be very careful. But what do you mean uh, saying it's only banter means it wasn't, John? I think, well, the first thing is that every good team that any of us have ever worked in, there's been a certain amount of camaraderie, a bit of joking between people in the team, which is absolutely essential. And we can call it banter, we can call it what we like. But I think when I start hearing people say, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean that, it's only banter. When people start defending it, as banter, well, actually, that means it wasn't particularly funny because immediately somebody has been hurt or certainly not motivated by it. Let's put it like that, hurt, pushed out to one side. So I think the key thing is if you find yourself mentally or physically defending it, oh, it's only banter, then it wasn't banter. It was rude. It was upsetting. Great tip, John. Thanks for that. Tip number two is from Paul Coleman in the Turks and Caicos Islands. And Paul says the management of risk is not just for risk managers. Absolutely. And of course, he says it's uh, everybody has to manage risk, but it's for business managers. It's for leaders. Compliance these days, which is uh, Paul's specialist area. And of course, uh, internal audit. So we should all be thinking about risk, whether it's risk in what we're doing. Um, people are being spoofed all the time with emails. I keep hearing about people falling for it because they're getting more and more sophisticated all the time. And Paul, have you got anything to add, for, add to that for us? Yeah, yes, I could. Thanks, Derek. I, um, I hear this so often that uh, people blame compliance for so many things. Now, I'm, I'm having a bit of difficulty with this, son. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not showing off really, but the sun is very bright in my window at the moment. But uh, no, there's so much to talk about uh, compliance and, you know, that we can't do this because of compliance. Well, that is not that is not what it should be, because the, the business owners are the ones who carry the risk. They've got the capital in the business. 
So they carry the risk and they can't rely, they can be informed on the lack of compliance. And the other point that I, I really like to stress, because that's not really understood, is that when we talk about risk and risk events, it really has to be measured against objectives. Not, it's not, you know, Mr. Negative, as I've heard so many times and seeing the pot half empty. It's you have your business objectives and what you are really saying is, as an owner of the business, well, what am I, what am I trying to achieve? And it, that's when it becomes a real decision. What are my objectives? Absolutely. Um, and it's just so important. It's become such an interesting issue at the moment. As we know, there's that uh, uh, interesting uh, thing called bad blood in going on in California, which we'll talk about on an, another session where uh, this lady, um, Elizabeth, um, I forgot her name now. Anyway, she's in court for uh, conning all sorts of people who didn't appear to manage the risk. They said we spent 100 hours doing due diligence on this company, uh, Theranos, and they obviously didn't. Anyway, moving on to the third tip comes from Martin Bale, who couldn't be with us tonight, but uh, Martin's been uh, on the chat show uh, from the very beginning, and he says, be yourself, don't pretend to be someone else. And this is a thing that's been coming through all the time from your tips and ethics and really important issues like that. Be honest, be trusted, be liked, and uh, be prepared. So thanks for that uh, that tip from Martin. Now we come to Will Kintish, who's uh, net the networking expert in the UK. When you don't ask enough questions, people might think you really don't care to hear what they have to say and listening skills are really, really important. And uh, the quality of the questions determines the uh, quality of the answers you've got. And Will, have you got anything to add to that? Bottom line, Derek, when you do ask, you make the other person feel very special. I think we just about heard you there, Will. I'm back to the slide. Yeah, okay. I think what you I, were saying yeah, there what is... What I was saying is, when you, yeah. when you don't ask, you don't really care. But when you do ask, you make people feel very special. Um, my life changed when I went on a Dale Carnegie course. You'll all nod at me when you know him. And one of the many timeless quotes he came out with was, the most interesting people we ever meet are those who are most interested in us. And I don't know whether you have the same experiences as me, but on most occasions when I meet people, I feel as though I'm taking over control of the conversation. Not that I want to, but if I don't ask them questions, nothing happens. Whether I go hiking with new people or whether I go into a room, if I don't ask a question, then they don't seem to want to ask me anything. And what does this mean? Will Kintish's four question rule. If I go to a networking event and I'm delighted to say I'm beginning to go back again, if I ask somebody two, three questions, I then begin to think, hang on, this isn't a conversation builder. This isn't building relationships, i.e. networking. This has turned out to be an interview. And when I get to the fourth question and they haven't asked me anything, do you know what I do, everybody? I dump them. They go in my rude category and uh, I think, well, you don't want to know about me, so why should I waste any more time? 
I politely move on and think and go and find somebody else. It's not that I want them to ask me too many questions, but at least when it gets to the fourth one, I'd like them to ask me something. Derek, Fantastic. Fantastic, Will. And I'd like to invite you back in January or February for introverts like myself and John Baker. Um, you need to give us a list of questions when we go into this because we we head to the bar rather than head to networking with people. So I, I know that... you do. You're a bad man. <laughs> Thanks, Will. That's brilliant tip. Brilliant tip. Now we move to uh, Martin Cairns with a similar uh, similar tip about uh, the quality of the questions you ask will determine the quality of the answers you get. Absolutely right. And uh, we know that most people don't ask very good questions. And if they do ask very quick, good questions, they ramble on. So uh, number two is don't go into a customer service role unless you have an innate instinct for it. I had to think about that one a little bit, but I can see that that's absolutely right. right. And then number three is avoid undervaluing yourself. So. Uh, Martin, have you got anything to add to that, please? Um, <clears throat> yeah, they just, I was just thinking of one example of the customer service role. I was an assistant manager in a branch in Nottingham. Uh, and in, a went out to get, in a bank branch, was that? Was in that a bank branch, in, yeah, a Barty's branch in Nottingham. And I went out to get a sandwich at lunchtime. When I came back, the queues were out the door. And uh, there was one of the tills was uh, one of the cashiers hadn't, hadn't pitched up. And she had, a, she had a, two jobs. She had to do uh, regular payments and stepping on the counter when it was busy. But she hated being on the counter. She hated dealing with customers. Uh, and the queue was going out the door. So I had to, uh, had to have a quiet word with her and say that, you know, uh, as soon as there was a problem, she must go straight to the counter, um, which she did. But she, the look on her face would tell you that she didn't want to be there. So she could go on she could go on any sort of training course she wanted to put her through, uh, and uh, she just did not have an instinct or a, or a leaning towards customer service. Barclays many years ago spent three and a half million pounds training people on a customer service project, and I I would advise them to make sure they recruit people who want to give good customer service and don't need to be trained to do so. I remember uh, just a quick one on the banter. I just like to make a comment on the banter before. I'm one of a group called the Lads, would you believe? We're all 75, but we've been, we went to infant school together. Uh, and we're still a group all these years later. And the banter is very prevalent when we meet up. Uh, and some of it could be deemed as being very insulting, which it is often, but it's part of the camaraderie of our group. So we can get away with it. You wouldn't do it to somebody new to the group, but uh, banter can be good fun when it's properly used. I think the issue is, isn't it, that it hasn't been properly used. Um, I'm thinking back to some of the banter in the hockey clubs I played in. They would probably be seriously out of order now, but uh, they were sort of um, kind of um, accepting in those days, weren't they? But I'm pretty ashamed of them now, but that's where it is. Thanks, Martin. That's... Uh, Brilliant. It, was it you that came up with the expression, if it wasn't for the customers, it would be a good job in banking? <laughs> I won't let you answer that. I, I, did say, I, I did say that, but I was <laughs> quoting somebody else, Derek. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not uh, falling <laughs> for that one, Martin. OK, now we, well, we move on to the University of Essex and uh, Nigel um, Kirby, and I could have almost predicted this would come from... Uh, Nigel adopting a contrarian mindset 
challenge your assumptions, think, write and share. Remember the competition gets a vote too. I like that one, Nigel. Anything to add, add there? I think it's, it's really about <clears throat> we're living in a very sort of volatile, uncertain uh, world and we need to be challenging our mindsets and not to be influenced by our biases and heuristics which can affect how we make decisions so try to approach any plan with optionality use the think right share which is a great tool to get active listening it really helps to engage introverts it stops extroverts dominating the conversation and you get real insight so I would encourage anybody and everybody, no matter the size or complexity of the plan or project, to consider challenging your assumptions, to use Think, Write and Share. And remember, the competition may be one step ahead of you, so they get the vote too. When you say Think, Write and Share, do you mean um, as a team or do you mean individually? Um, primarily as, as a team, because it works on the premise that if I ask or pose a question, I give you, say, a couple of minutes to think about what you want to answer. You write down your answer. But the key here is that everybody speaks once before speaking twice. So because you've actually written your answer down in advance, you don't then fall into the trap of agreeing with the dominant or the first person's answer. So typically in a conventional meeting, you'll have the highest paid person in the room and normally their opinion counts. So normal group think everybody nods and agrees. Everybody thinks, well, I don't want to um, argue. Therefore, they're in agreement. This way, people are actively listening to what people are saying, taking in what they're saying, knowing that when they have their opportunity to share, everybody else is actively listening. But it helps people to articulate the problem, but to share the problem. And for most organisations, it's the wisdom of the crowd, because why are somebody who is going to dominate and be very opinionated because you could almost predict what they're going to say? Sometimes, and in most situations, it's the group's opinions that collectively contributes to the answer. That's a great tip um, and, and a real structure. I went to two... Uh... Two, two um, lunches last week. One cost me £93 and the other one cost me £23. And they were both for people that used to work in Barclays. Guess which one I enjoyed the most and guess which one um, and guess why that was. Because uh, the £93 one, everyone had an opinion and everyone was shouting. And I just sat there and curiously looked at them and took a few notes that I can use later on. Thanks. <laughs> This is why Think, Write and Share is, is really engaging for so many reasons. Yeah, I'd like to have gone around the table and controlled the whole thing so everyone had a minute, but uh, like you do with a mastermind group, etc. But, but there we are. Brilliant. Thank you. On to the next one, which is from Jill English. 
we're all different. Well, that's true, but we do need reminding of that sometimes. And not everyone shares our knowledge or views. How valuable is it to appreciate that? I thought that was a great question, Jill, and I sat there thinking, yeah, it is. And uh, get me out of the way to make uh, more space to learn what the other person thinks. And as you can see, I've, um, I've uh, made the font bigger on me just to, uh, just to concentrate on that. And it comes back to Will's point. It comes back to the point out of Dale Carnegie, isn't it? It's not about us, it's about the other person. Jill, anything to add to that? Um, this kind of has it's been a bit of a spin-off from um, listening to John Baker talk about introverts and just listening to Nigel as well, um, that we all, we, we kind of think everybody has the same opinion as us and, and it can be very tempting to second guess what somebody else is going to think is important and we don't know. So it's a very, it's a very good discipline to be prepared to accept that because the other person is different, they might have a different view, they might be able to, that, you know, something else might be important to them, so shut up ask the question, thank you, Will, and, um, and, and see what it is that really matters. Mm. And listen, listen acutely. Uh, we, all, we all think we're good at listening, but actually we're not as good as we think we are, in my opinion. In my opinion as well, Jill, because we really do have to focus on listening, don't we, really, really carefully, and uh, most people don't, they get distracted. So, um, yeah. Okay, thanks, Jill. And to the next one, which is uh, Mary, Mary Casson. And uh, you can see that uh, my background's a picture I took in Swanage because there's a bench there, which someone put a sticker on saying the happy bench. Sit here if you don't mind someone stopping by and saying hi. What a brilliant thing to do. I thought that was so. I had to take a picture and put it in the background. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. I think that's just one of the just greatest uh, sayings there ever is. Um, and if you can say that appropriately to somebody who's um, life's changed a bit, then um, and they get it. And I know you have to be really careful how you do it. Uh, it's absolutely right. So we're into onto the more motivational side of uh, uh, Monday Night Live today. Look on the bright side. Take time to smell the roses. And the longest journey starts with the first step. Are you a philosopher, Mary? Because I think they're, they are brilliant. But um, anything else to add there, Mary? Well, I don't think Mary, Mary's either muted or she's left after me putting that slide up. So or maybe it wasn't even your slide, Mary. Maybe I got it muddled, but uh, I'll move on to the next one now, um, which is from Elvira, who's not with us either. I think uh, Elvira's got a new job in London. She's traveling um, an hour each way on Southwest trains. Uh, that's if the trains are running. Um, but she talked about uh, well-being. Spend time with your loved ones. Well, you know, that's... That's just so obvious. And it's just one of those things that we don't always do, do we? We don't have enough time and we don't spend time with those people. Keep exercising, have meaningful projects. Having a purpose has always been one of the most important things about uh, goal setting and take a time out to uh, recharge. And in fact, that's one of my uh, favorite benches where I sit and recharge sometimes. It's uh, it's on the jetty at uh, in, in Swanage in Dorset. I'm often down there. I've been down there at four o'clock in the morning once when I couldn't sleep. How sad, how sad's that? Um, I wasn't sure who sent this one in, actually, so I apologise if it's someone on, on the show. But um, uh, be happy. 
it's the road not the end in which is one of those which is the saying from Cervantes the uh, Spanish philosopher it's the journey not the destination enjoy the journey stay present after all the present is a present that wasn't yours Mary was it did I get muddled up there I had a feeling I got muddled up with your tips but uh, that was all in the rushing around with the emails getting lost no no that wasn't mine that was sorry really... I got uh, I lost my uh, link earlier okay okay do you have you got anything to add to yours I can go back to it um well the only thing I, I would add is that um I did think of uh wake up and smell the coffee and then I thought no because that's sort of um energizing in a way yeah. what I really wanted there was that you actually took time to enjoy the surroundings that you're in yeah no I think it's I think take time to smell the roses is much better than wake up and smell the coffee I think that's more more sort of alpha isn't it wake up and smell the coffee sometimes but I'm not sure I, we'll see what other people think uh, in a minute okay so uh be happy um and uh, this one came from Tracy Hooper. You remember Tracy in Seattle? She's not with us today, but uh, it linked into some of the others. So I liked it very much. Be curious to let people know you value their thoughts. So that's a rather different way of putting it um, about listening and asking questions and listening to them. And then, uh, then Tracy went on to say, ask the questions that we always talk about, uh, what, how, and tell me more which are the best uh, open questions uh, that uh, there are really and uh, what I teach people when I'm teaching them to negotiate and getting more information from the from the client from the other side um, asking them what they want to achieve uh, how are we going to do it and tell me tell me more about it and then we come to uh, Grace who's on I think Grace from Yorkshire we teach we teach people how to treat us. I love that, Grace. I thought that was great. We do teach people how to treat us, don't we? Think about a positive relationship you are in. Why is it positive? Wow, that's a deep question. What part, of, part if any, have you played in creating that positive relationship? And what would you need to do, or more importantly, stop doing, to make other relationships as positive. You got a comment on that, Grace? I think it's brilliant. No, nothing to comment. I think it's quite self-explanatory, but the difficult bit for a lot of people is the, is the statement, we teach people how to treat us, be it good, bad or indifferent. We sometimes forget our parts in the creation of that. And a lot of it's informed by our upbringings, our belief systems, whether we defer to authority, whatever it is, we, have a part to play in how we are treated and that's why we teach people how to treat us and do we teach people to how to treat us in a very structured organization like the nhs when you i bet you spend some of your time trying to manage people upwards don't you the rule applies to any given relationship and a relationship is in the loosest sense of the word so be organizational personal and there's a framework within each organization with how things are done but as a lot of the people on this call be aware that most organizations are doing that informal network as opposed to the formal and it's how we choose or not choose to understand how organizations work how decisions are made whether we choose to network or not whether what rules we do or don't follow all of that plays a part being it structural otherwise and all of that informs how we're treated so Will often talks about networking and be curious about other people 
if you apply that in a, the business context, knowing what someone's trying to achieve operationally and thinking about how you can help them achieve that will inform how you're treated because you'll be seen as an asset and someone key to having around the table. But if your only engagement with them is round the room and you haven't done the proprietary work when you're around the table, then you're less likely to be contacted and less likely to be part of the inner circle when decisions and such are being made. So be personal or professional, there is, I think, a lot of truth in that we teach people how to treat us, be it good, bad or indifferent. Thanks, Grace. Love it. Love it. Uh, and then we come to Godfrey. Be prompt, be curious and be kind. Treat people with respect. Be curious again. It's a fantastic word, curious, isn't it? Curious about people. Where are they coming from? And of course, uh, Godfrey's um, usual one, which is just so important, aim to get paid fast. Cash is king. So many people I come across, they don't send their invoices out on time or beforehand, and I get caught by that one as well. And Godfrey's joined us from, uh, from his overrunning meeting. Are you there, Godfrey, to add anything? Hello, everyone. Lovely to be with you, um, working uh, in reverse order. Um, cash, we often forget it we confuse cash and profit and they are very different as most of us will know and um don't issue an idle threat if your terms of trade are seven days follow up in seven days don't just let it drift to 14 days otherwise you might as well have 14 day terms of trade so always follow up and um one rule that we always had in our company was the first job every day issue an invoice it gets you psyched up and in the right mood um, so that was uh cash is king we in covid have depended on cash we've dipped into our reserves how do we build reserves is another subject but um this is what we really need to focus on in in business um, as to being curious and kind uh, i don't want to dwell on this too much because a lot of the previous uh, speakers with their top tips have covered the questioning um, but I think empathy is a very nice thing and treat others as you would wish to be treated yourself and if I can give just one little example Derek um, in our business as investigators a lot of our work was finding people who didn't want to be found for various reasons they might have a debt problem, relationship problem, might be fraud, whatever. And uh, very often we would be asked by the client to take court papers and um, serve process because if we found them, then that was the ideal opportunity. If we found them and didn't have the relevant papers, they might have pushed off again by the time somebody else had tried to serve the court papers. So our aim in all of this was to try and shake hands with the subject um, no matter how serious the matter even if it was i can remember penal notice in other words th this person was going to go into prison as a result of us finding them and serving these documents but you can do it nicely you don't have to be the image of the big bad bailiff and hurl the papers at their feet the nicer way to do it is to shake hands and say, look, this is bad news, but can I give you any advice? Can I help you with the next steps in, in this process? Do you understand what's gonna happen next? 
you might need a lawyer yourself and just take a little time to be helpful in the worst of circumstances because you never know when you might come in to meet them again and you've established even a basic level of re relationship so that is being kind uh, in very difficult circumstances easy to be kind uh, when it's all very pleasant, all going well, but I think we just need to step back and also think when things aren't going quite so well, can we also just offer that little bit of empathy and uh, put ourselves in the other person's shoes? Thanks, Godfrey. Absolutely brilliant and very difficult to do. Some of these tips um, are obvious we're talking about. They're common sense, but they're so common people don't do them. And uh, putting yourself in the other person's shoes is pretty difficult you sometimes need to stop and take a time out and a breather and then think where are they coming from what are their issues and uh over to texas now texas tim sent me nine tips so uh tim there's only um there's only uh room for three of them three of them on here today sir but you are in texas so everything's got to be big in texas so there i wasn't got. surprised when you sent me nine <laughs> but uh uh, we've just got the three ordinaries. So do you want to talk us through those very quickly? Yes, I'm using the term ordinary versus extraordinary because I used to use elite versus amateur. But the term elite is now getting a bad connotation here in the States. It means the ultra wealthy for whom the rules no longer apply. But instead of ordinary versus extraordinary, you could also use amateur versus professional. Um, so just to, to cover the three points, ordinary um, amateurs think toward their goals, but elite performers, the professionals, actually think from them. I want to win the world championship. I want to win the Stanley Cup. I want to win the World Cup. And they think back from that incrementally. Um, that's a big difference. And they, they almost do that naturally. Um, the next one, uh, did you want to put that slide back up? Yeah, okay. I'll, 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 I'll sack my audio visual man when, uh, after this meeting. <laughs> Uh, if it wouldn't be necessary, probably wouldn't be a good idea either, unless you want to do it yourself. Um, ordinary stop when they achieve a goal. Their goal is this, but extraordinaries or professionals understand that achieving them is only the beginning. The next step is typically a plateau, which they will embrace. But ordinaries or amateurs get very frustrated by plateaus and typically stop uh, developing and stop improving. But professionals understand or extraordinaries understand that the plateau is something to be embraced and it will not last. And then finally, ordinaries focus on identifying and improving weaknesses. Extraordinaries, professionals work on their strength and they make them stronger. Um, uh, when you work on your weaknesses, what you're doing is embedding negative and you're hurting your self-image by continually continuing to perseverate on your weaknesses or your shortfalls. And uh, that's not what elite performers do. Absolutely, Tim. Tim, and that's so important. I worked for several people who thought you had to work on your weaknesses, which yes. is very extraordinary, making you a generalist rather than an absolute elite specialist. Yep. Um, Derek, could I go back? I, I have loved this conversation about showing compassion and being kind. And a long time ago, I ran across a quote by Immanuel Kant, the philosopher, and he said, recognize the sovereignty 
of someone, of another person to be different. Recognize the sovereignty of another person to be different. I thought that's great, great advice because it is sovereign to them. The second thing when we're talking about banter, I love that talk. Um, here in the States, we have two terms for it. Um, we call it smack talking, S-M-A-C-K, talking smack like it's a verbal smack in the face. But the one that's very popular when you're talking about an opposing team, like if I was Liverpool playing Arsenal and the other team, the Arsenal, the Gunners were talking and we would call that chirping. Chirping is what little tiny birds do, all right? Big birds don't chirp, but little tiny birds chirp. So uh, when you read about this, say, yeah, uh, they did a lot of chirping before the match, uh, but the final score was what the final score was. So um, I just wanted to give you some terms from the States for banter, especially- well, thanks for bringing that up, Tim, but as an <laughs> Arsenal supporter, I'm sorry, I have to, I have to ring the bell for that. <laughs> I, I, it was the only team I could come up with at the last moment. And as soon as I started down that path, I was You sorry. knew you were in big, big trouble. For those of you that don't know, any negativity on Monday Night Live gets the uh, bell rung. We are the uh, positive people. Sharing, uh, sharing our stories and our wisdom. Um, I think we've got one slide left and that's from Angie, my graphic designer, who sent me this one saying, don't ruin your newly created slide deck by changing what the designer did. I changed a couple of, um, a couple of the colors. I don't think I've got any color sense whatsoever. And I'm sure I'm gonna get some feedback because uh, Angie's on here, but Angie is a great designer. And if anybody, uh, ever wants a designer get in touch with andy but ask for her swanage rates not, <laughs> not her london rates okay that's just a little tip for you anything well, to add angie well you you did have another slide for me about professional service firms but, yeah um, that's that's not in the deck here i got too many slides from different oh, people right, i'm right, saving right. that for um, another, something else so something okay. else but branding is really important isn't it absolutely yeah it's trying to keep 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 your brand in the right colours and the right fonts and, and just be the same all the way. You see, he he's keeps changing the fonts to like red and he's taken off his picture and there's all these little bits that I go, oh, no, not so. So I'm just in big trouble. But there you go. We learn, don't we? Always, always so, learning, always earning. So uh, thanks for that, uh, Angie. So we're nearly at the... Uh, but we're nearly at the end of, of the show. I'd like everybody to stay on uh, and see what other tips we've got. But uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to this on the Negotiators podcast, what a fantastic number of tips we've got there going into 2022. And the real question to ask yourself is, uh, are you doing them? Are you taking action on some of them? Are you mentoring, coaching and passing them on to other people because most people know what to do but then they don't do what they know uh, uh, i'm derek arden thanks for joining us on youtube thanks for listening to this on the podcast thanks for joining this live and please do join us at some stage in the future thanks to all my guests today i'm putting you on gallery view give us all a wave uh, thanks for joining and um, look forward to seeing you next week